0: Could I be doing that? I don't know. You're smart enough to do it. Am I? I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Pain. Pain is the thing, the equalizer of all. (laughs) All right. Are we we going? All right. So we are on the About Violence podcast. Today I am joined by J.P. Sears, longtime friend. Brilliant. Um, one of the things I love about you, to make it awkward before you start talking, and I'm going to continue to talk during this long introduction, <clears throat> is that you take ideas, ideas that I believe in, and you serve them in a way that is palatable. So the the caviar is going to be hard work pays off, that you know, capitalism and freedom and sovereignty are these beautiful ideas. If you just say those things, or communism is bad, socialism is bad, if you just say these things outright, people obviously fight back against these ideas or these very simply stated things. Instead you have a delivery mechanism and that delivery mechanism. We'll just say the, the cracker that is to the caviar is satire and you use humor and um, sarcasm, which is a really sometimes complex way to convey an idea. And you use
1: that to express your beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah, uh, because it goes to a different piece of real estate in someone's psyche than a preaching message. Yeah. You know, I think all good messages need different representation. It's like, cool, a beautiful orchestra all playing the same song based in truth and goodness, but you have different instruments in the orchestra. And satire and sarcasm are two instruments, but they land differently in the psyche. Because if you just go up to someone and you say, Dude, America is good, capitalism is that. good. I yeah, do I know. That. I do. Sometimes so I have I'm trying one of to these... counsel you here, okay? okay. Mentor, but, I'm but listening. You, you if, you're, if you're preaching to the choir, everybody loves you. But if you're speaking to someone, and if we just live in a world where we pretend what you have to say is true and would genuinely benefit the person that you're talking to, just living in that world for a second. Typically when you preach a message at them, the psychological defenses go up. Just like if you come up and push in my body without even thinking about it, I'll automatically have resistance on the front of my body because the body wants to maintain its center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Part of how we protect ourselves. Well, the psyche has the same center of gravity protection. Those people have their beliefs and they That's the center of gravity of their life, their mind. So if you go in and push on it with preaching, it's automatically going to offer resistance. Now, the problem with that is the message doesn't get in for consideration. We're not talking about brainwashing anybody. That's not good. But getting messages in for consideration is different. But the satire and the sarcasm, it's not a pushy energy. It's more of a sleight of hand of the magician. Yeah. It wound up behind enemy, enemy lines. And now I'm thinking about it. And now I'm thinking about it. So it, go, it it dances between the raindrops of defense so the message can get in in a good scenario so someone can maybe think a little bit differently, at least think about thinking about it differently. Yeah. So...
0: This podcast about violence, um, this episode is about freedom of speech. I like freedom of speech. I do too. And you push the limits on that, which is why I wanted to kind of peel back some layers and try and dissect how it is that the process that you push these boundaries. Also, just talk about, you know, as, as this podcast is about violence, the slippery slope that is aligned with freedom of speech, censorship and violence. And uh, historically, we have a lot of examples of what happens when society loses their right to, to express. Um, I mean, anything they just dis- might disagree with, with any given government, what happens after they lose their right to do that. And um, which is the, the kind of topic origin and why I reached out to you was you or have you have had some battles, both with technology, with the government, with uh, society as a whole, because you definitely push that pocket um, intellectually of wh- what does freedom of speech look like and what are our rights and, and how should I as an individual be able to express my beliefs. And I think you do it in a constructive way, which is why I wanted to talk to you about it.
1: Hell yeah. Well, I I would love to talk about it. And talking about freedom of speech can only be done with freedom of speech, Uh which is pretty self-serving in a beautiful way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And no, though. Um, And you're free to disagree, Tim. I'm going to. Okay.
0: Where this podcast will land, um, I can think off the top of my head no less than 10 topics that I can't talk about. Otherwise, those, this podcast, because of those topics would then be censored. Right. And uh, depending on in the past 24 months, had you said something uh, that wasn't aligned with what that hosting company wanted you to say, they would also censor you. And, uh, is that free speech?
1: Uh, for me, it's absolutely not free speech. But it's a it, private company. It, it, it is a private company. And, and then, we are capitalists. And, and we, we are free market. And, and I think those are all fair questions. And when we look at the- Swollen fingers. Online platforms. Sorry for your swollen <laughs> stuff. When we look at the online platforms that are doing the censoring, because quite honestly, That's where most censorship is coming from, online platforms. And there's also evidence and admission that our federal government is instructing those platforms on what to censor. The White House admitted they were instructing Facebook on what posts to flag. So, yeah, they're private companies.
0: um, I don't think we'll get censored because it's it's after this now. So we can call a spade a spade. One of the specific examples was um, the Biden laptop. Yeah. Um, the Biden laptop, if you try to share a specific story about it that was released initially by, I think the New York Post was the one that yes. broke the story. And whether this was Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, any of the big, we'll call them town halls, any of the mm-hmm. large places where discourse happens, if you tried to share any idea, it was... Not just censored; it was eradicated. Yes, you could not say these things because at the time they said that they were untrue, and they they were pri- they're they they're even infusing false context and giving you you know strikes on your account for spreading misinformation. Then we later find out that not only was was it true, but they also knew that it was true, and the government. The federal government went to those private companies and told those private companies that they were not allowed to share this information and that they had to penalize their, I don't know what we call this, members,
1: users, users,
0: that they would penalize the users for trying to share this information. That is a clear, clear violation, but no one's talking about that.
1: Yeah, it, it's a problem. And you know the, the First Amendment grants citizens the freedom of religion and freedom of expression. Also protects the press and all those citizens from government interference with their freedom of expression, freedom of speech being under that, and freedom of religion. Do you, what, you have the First Amendment memorized? Uh, hey, we pull it up. Let's read this thing verbatim. Yeah, I don't have it absolutely memorized. I feel... I. I feel like we should. Yeah. You know. What the hell's wrong with Yeah, us? bring the thing up. Can we go to Wikipedia, it's probably like a rewritten <laughs> yeah. ex oh, the freedom <laughs> of speech edited in uh, 2020 2022. <laughs> All right. That camera's
0: slightly in the way, but I think I can get it. The first amendment provides Hold on. I got to hold still that Congress makes no law respecting establishment of religion prohibiting free exercise. It protects freedom of speech, the press assembly and the right to petition the government for redress of grievances,
1: man. That's nice.
0: Yeah. Those are some pretty important things.
1: Pretty important things. And uh, I would also add, those are not just important things that are rights for Americans. Freedom of speech is considered a universal human right. Uh, we remember hearing about the Holocaust, horrible situation. Yeah, there's and, deniers that still like deny that it happened. Oh man, there's deniers for everything. It's wild, but though. it's unbelievable. Yeah, anyway, sorry. So, <laughs> after World War II ended, a bunch of countries got together and said, "What what the Nazis did was atrocious. How can we prevent this?" So they formed the um, uh, what's it called the Universal Human Rights group, that's not quite right. The U- Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I'm getting old, my brain yeah, doesn't always good work. Word. I'm moving, hey. Um, and in it, they said, okay, our goal is to make sure these atrocities never happen again. And in Article 19 of their document, they assigned free speech is a basic human right, not for just Americans, but for all people. Yeah. And it's not an extravagant human right. It's a basic human right. It's a core human right. It's a core human right. And as
0: uh, I mean, just in the past 72 hours, we have had people stand in pulpits at the UN and say that there were ideas that this person disagreed with that are such dangerous ideas that that person should be censored from being able to discuss it on the internet. Yeah. Um, and these aren't like screaming fire in a movie theater, which clearly is a violation of my right as somebody watching a movie that is then going to get crushed by a stampede. Absolutely. Right. Or, um, like there, there's a present case of bongs for Jesus where this, uh, this guy wanted to have a form of free speech at his school that, and he was like trying to sell weed and, um. But the school was like, this is not a protected form of free speech for you because it is damaging your other students. Um, You know, like on that spectrum of how do we define free speech when you have somebody standing up in front of uh, the world and being like, man, I disagree with this group, um, not because what they're saying is dangerous, but because I disagree with it, that they should then be censored and not have the same rights to the Internet as the people that agree with me. We're in some dangerous, dangerous times.
1: It's dangerous times, and in, in, in it's a problem. And I was reading just yesterday, the American Medical Association is now putting pressure on the US government's Department of um, Department of Justice to crack down and prevent people online from speaking out against doctors and surgeons doing gender reassignment surgeries. And all of this backlash from the American Medical Association appears to be after Matt Walsh. He's a journalist. He exposed Vanderbilt University, Vanderbilt Hospital in Tennessee for doing a lot of gender surgeries. And they were talking about profit motive. There's some pretty damning videos. Won't get into that, but they're out there. So you got to think like, well. You should also watch them. Yeah, I agree. So you got to think like, who profits from gender reassignment surgeries? Okay. People in the Medical Association. Now, the Medical Association is department uh, is petitioning the DOJ to restrict citizens' right online to speak freely their opinions about-, about something that they profit off of. Surgeries on minors that they yeah. profit off of.
0: Um, if I'm a pharmaceutical company and I create a drug, and that drug I obviously going a profit off of, but then I go to the government and I ask the government to restrict speech about anything negative about this product, we're, 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 we're setting some dangerous precedents.
1: Thank God that never happened, Tim. Yeah, right?
0: <sighs> Thank goodness. What would we ever do if like, the masses were being force-fed a single source of information that was being controlled by an entity that was profiting off of its information? Yeah. These are really dangerous ideas. So back to free speech, you know, as as we start peeling back layers of what does it mean to have free speech? um, You know, you you have outliers that are so simple to define as not forms of protected free speech where yelling fire in a movie theater. That's the one that people reference so easily. But like, what about burning a cross? You know, can you burn a flag? Yeah. Matter of fact, here in Texas, the precedence was set that it is a form, a legally protected form. Do I think it's right? Absolutely not. Do I, as as like an American and a veteran that has literally spent his whole entire adult life fighting for this country, do I think it is the worst thing? As I've seen those fat flags folded and handed to widows, as I've watched those flags being draped over servicemen's coffins, do I think it is an atrocity to sit there and you know, like wipe your butt with it and then burn it. A horrible! It's horrible that you would even do that. It says more about the person that does the flag. But the cross. Well, what if me burning that cross is me trying to attack a specific? group of society like christians or going to a synagogue and writing some really hateful things on it like you all should die thank god the holocaust happened or yeah. any of those things would not be protected forms of speech because that is hate speech and it is attacking a group and that group can um the consequence of your saying or doing those things can hurt those people we are in this weird spot where we are now categorizing you
1: got clear examples of hate speech right like um it is let me ask you this real quick for clarification is hate speech that's not inciting violence just evil vile hate speech is that that's protected right or are you saying it's not?
0: It is. that This this is that spectrum that we're talking okay. about, from misinformation, which is now being controlled and censored, to nonviolent hate speech, to true hate speech, which f- creates or has a response of violence. Where is that line? And, you know, if, if we look at the the 2020 election and we saw ca- categorizing specific types of speech supporting one candidate or a different candidate one would be categorized as misinformation and be censored another one would be categorized as hate speech and you would get a strike for it and then one to be factually false and they know that it's factually false it is then suppressed this this, this is where like this is where we're on the about violence podcast as the pendulum swings in this beautiful thing of freedom and sovereignty, as it starts swinging towards that censorship, the response to censorship is violence. Yeah. It is either government doing violence or the civilian populace fighting back via violence to get the pendulum to swing back towards that beautiful center of balance.
1: Yeah. Where are we? This is a great question. Uh, I mean, I know Patrick Henry, he had a beautiful line. Give me liberty or give me death. So if you deprive people of liberty long enough, freedom of speech is one of the basic liberties, but if you deprive people of liberty long enough, it's only a matter of time where they realize a life void of liberty isn't a life worth living, therefore, violence, freeing from the oppression becomes a much better option than living on one's knees. You know, better to die on your feet than living on your knees. Being under censorship is living on your knees. Uh, Which, by the way, just when we're looking at censorship, we know uh, our current administration has been advising some big tech companies on that. Big tech companies are rampant on censorship. And I have strong feelings about that. I think those are problems. However, I personally believe a more important problem that I think goes under-addressed is people self-censoring. it takes a certain amount of courage to speak your mind in a respectful way. But a lot of people I, I see, they're they're doing self-censoring and maybe not having the courage to be true to their heart, true to their own critical thinking. So I think it's easy to point the fingers, and they need to be pointed. But I also I love to call people up. I love to call myself up to have the courage to not censor ourselves. And I, I do it.
0: I, like you're you're calling me out right now, and I, I consciously, not even subconsciously, not like I'm like, man, why am I not saying this? I recognize that I'm censoring myself because I know it damages insert a product I'm trying to promote, yeah. um, a business I'm trying to launch. I know that I will be shadow banned on Instagram if I talk about this thing. I mean, there's been times where Doug, like, I'll, I'll send him something like, "Can I post this?" He's like. I mean, if you don't want to get any followers for the next 30 days, because that's exactly what will happen. You will not gain. And I, am I just coming? I think I'm just coming out of my little, yeah. Um, I just got my freedom back for 30 days. Exactly. I didn't gain a single follower on Instagram,
1: which is weird was for someone over a million followers that that doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: I, I had like, you know, you get the, in the insights in the algorithm, it'll show you like your plus, I think I was like plus 48% in accounts reached I was like plus something in interactions and then like accounts or new followers, it was zero. Yeah. It was literally not like point, whatever. It was just zero, 40%, 36% and then zero.
1: Yeah. It, it, and if I can empathize with you for a second, there's self-censoring and then there's strategy. You know, it, I know if, probably you and i both i can I'll speak for myself if i didn't self-censor strategically in the online space i would not be online okay. anywhere other than like Rumble and a couple other newer platforms so there there is a strategy of knowing okay if i'm speaking on this platform a current town hall we know they censor therefore if we don't self-censor so I don't love that we do that. I don't love that that's a strategy, but in our everyday lives with conversations, that's where I I believe the more authentic, honest, and transparency, getting rid of the inner censors and tyrants, I think that's the call of courage that's most important to me at least. But you asked, censorship eventually leading to violence, where are we? I have no clue. My guess is we're not that close to violence and maybe I'm just optimistic. The censorship, obviously, is getting really heavy, but I look at, like, Iran right now. I I think they're probably many steps further ahead in the journey. So right now, a lot of uprising in Iran, uh, most recently excited by a 22-year-old woman being killed by the state for... Tortured. Yeah, tortured tortured by the state for not wearing a face covering. So citizens rise up in a lot of protests. And now the Iranian regime, aside from killing dozens of the citizens, shooting them with military force, they're putting celebrities who speak out against the regime in prison. They've put at least 20 journalists in prison as well. So the censorship in Iran is obviously very heavy, but they've reached a point of violence. And I've read reports, citizens are are now taking up arms uh, to the degree that they can against the regime. That's where we go. If we allow ourselves, my guess, my hope is that we have time and steps before we get there so we can choose a more constructive path. Yeah. But I think you're right. If nothing changes, well, that's the end of the pattern yeah. that we're in. Like the pattern will be the pattern. Yeah. Um.
0: I I think we're closer, you know, when, when I look at, uh, the civil unrest of 2019, 2020, and early 2021, um, communities burning, uh, businesses being targeted, um, obviously censorship was peaking right then during the presidential election, you know, and then January 6th, where, you know, defining peaceful protest is really easy for me, and when people are not peacefully protesting, the there's no rules, man. You've broke the law, and um, peaceful protest is not burning down buildings. It is not... Beating up Asians in New York because you think that they're the start of COVID. You know, it is not going to government buildings um, in Oregon and storming the capitals or the courthouses or then keep putting them under siege. It is not creating, it is not creating a zone that you then control inside of a sovereign city and saying that this is your land. These are not forms of peaceful protests. That would be true. Those are all forms of domestic terrorism. And, uh, and we saw lots of examples of it in the past three years, more so than I've ever seen in my whole entire life yes. in the United States, which is why it's feeling more dangerous and more on a slippery slope because censorship is still on the rise. Like They are still censoring more forms of speech and they're asking for more forms of speech to be censored. And we know the byproduct. The 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 response to that is what we see, yeah. which is
1: violence. Those are good points. <laughs> <As you laughs> point out violence that have already happened um, in in like the radically near future. Like
0: yeah. th- that is how close we are because it just happened in the radically near past.
1: Yeah, and and, and I know we have you know our, our country's midterm elections and two years presidential election and. The censorship, it's intensifying, and that tends to piss people off.
0: Yeah, I'm looking looking at the the total, collective, accumulated amount of damage done during the George Floyd protests were two billion dollars. Yeah, that's um, I see one to two billion in damages nationally, the highest recorded damage from a civil disruption disorder in the United States, and surpassing the record during the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Yeah. Also um a race response um like discourse
1: yeah super important it, it is super important now you're someone correct me if i'm wrong i don't know the exact oath you've taken but you're at some level sworn to protect, protect and, and uphold preserve the
0: constitution yeah. against foreign domestic enemies so believe it i believe it hell yeah yes i do
1: so when we look past big tech companies doing their censoring, and I think there's cause to say that's violating the Constitution. But just looking past that for a second, when we see the examples and admission that the White House has been working with those companies to censor the free speech of Americans, I look at that. You use the term domestic terrorism with uh, the riots and insurrections. I, I look at this and say, well, isn't that domestic terrorism? And it's one thing to rebel against tech companies, like, cool, Rumble's a new alternative. They uphold free speech. So if you don't like YouTube, go on there. That's a cool option. But when it's the government. Well, that's doing not domestic
0: it. terrorism. That's a tyrannical dictatorship. Yeah. And um, when the government's doing it, They want to then label any person that is speaking out against their actions, they want to label them as domestic terrorists. So I'll use the example of school boards. There was a really fun uh, governor that said parents that were speaking out against school boards were domestic terrorists. And uh, that speech is fully protected that was a legitimate government official that was calling people that were using their 100% protected form of speech speaking out against the way the school boards were conducting business and putting their children in harm they truly believe that their children were being which i did, which i agree with um, as they were i mean some of the curriculum that they were putting in not not just the critical race theory but also um, on the gender reassignment questions and the mental health. These were all things the school board was encouraging teachers to put sexuality into the classroom. A bunch of things that parents just stood up and said, nope, we've had enough. We're against this. And the governor called those people domestic
1: terrorists. Yes. Wild. It's very wild. So when it's now the government infringing on rights and you know, I think the idea of like, well, the government's taking free speech. Let's go get them with violence. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think we're, that's where they're at. But with the mind of someone who's sworn to protect and preserve the Constitution of the U.S. And we see in some ways the Constitution of the U.S. being trampled by our own government, in this case, the First Amendment. What do we do? Man, we're
0: in juxtaposition here, right? Yeah. Well, I think we're doing it right now which is having healthy discourse which is for 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 something to be strong when we'll, we'll talk about a freedom or for something to have strength for a muscle to have strength that thing has to be exercised that thing has to be contested that thing has to meet resistance and then through that adaptation process that thing becomes stronger i think freedoms are really similar in that regard anytime that a freedom is not used it has atrophy
1: yeah
0: and it gets it, it's it's it this diluted smaller version and it just keeps getting smaller because the encroachment whether it's the Patriot Act or whether it's tech censorship whatever it is that thing that hadn't been needed to be used in a while got soft got weak and then because of that atrophy the government or company then encroaches on it and it gets shaved off and it gets a little weaker and a little weaker and a little weaker and at one time you had this Arnold Schwarzenegger looking jack dude that's winning Mr. Olympia and then all of a sudden you have like the Twitter dude living in the basement of his grandma that has like his, his spectacles, his monocle and his bow tie and he's like saying some troll speech like that was the same species you know how many generations ago did we have a wolf walk into a fire pit and then it just turned into a pug like that's what happens to our freedoms yeah. it gets comfortable they get complacent and then it turns into a pug they can't even ble- Yeah, that's how I- they breathe
1: I like what you, uh, I love that you brought that up because I looked at before the whole times of the pandemic where our freedom of speech censorship was really getting challenged and other freedoms as well. I was the flaccid muscle. I I, And I don't love to admit, but it's true, so I will admit it. I had a, a sense of entitlement and ignorance around the freedoms we have in the U.S. Fundamental human freedoms, and, and, like, I was always grateful for people like serving our country. That's amazing. But I was a weak, flaccid muscle. It's like, yeah, freedom, well, Constitution, why are we going to talk about that? Like, it's just there. I took it for granted. But I'm stronger now, and I think my willingness to uphold freedoms with my contributions is way stronger than it used to be because, as you point out, there's now resistance to it which ironically that which tries to take our freedoms will probably either strengthen the freedoms unless the muscle tears yeah. and it's and it's screwed i uh, i
0: not only is there resistance for you but you are exercising those freedoms it's the reason that I wanted you on here to talk about this is because you very strategically and sometimes in a clever way, not often, but sometimes <laughs> um, you, you try to push buttons. You try to put, te- you like, stri- you push a tech button, you know, like they might mess with you and they might censor a thing. Yeah. And by doing that, you were already planning on it. And then you have a response to it. And, uh, and it's fun to watch as an out, as an outsider, looking at somebody that's really on the forefront of that first amendment battleground that is, is like literally becoming stronger. You look great, by the way. Thank you. That's great. I'm flexing this whole yeah. conversation in <laughs> but you do push the limits. You know, like we have seen Joe Rogan get canceled. We have seen him get censored. We have seen him get strikes. You know, we um like who is that uh really clever British comedian Russell Brand?
1: Yes. Yeah. I I was just talking with him about it. Really? Really? Yeah. Dude, I I I used to I hated listening to that guy talk
0: 3 years ago. He and whatever happened in the past year like he is just, he hit that thing hard yeah. and he's all about it now and uh i mean he is just
1: spouting freedom he's all about it in a little backstory on that the past couple of weeks russell brandon youtube channel like six million subscribers and he was doing a little bit of a news piece on the NIH's classification of Joe Rogan's favorite horse deworming medication. don't say it out loud, because let's self-censor. As I am, because this is going to be on YouTube and all the spots. So uh, he made an objective error in what he was saying about how the NIH classifies the horse medication. So cool, like he's a man of integrity. He then made another video owning his mistake and correcting his mistake. But then after that, YouTube gave him not a warning, not a strike, but a lifetime warning against his channel saying, if you commit even a single act of community guideline violations ever again, your 6 million subscriber YouTube channel is deleted. Pretty harsh censorship on a voice that many could agree, he does so much good. You don't have to agree with what he All he does is good. But in the name of empowerment, uh, one week after YouTube gave him this lifetime warning, instead of sitting back and falling in line, living in fear of like, well, my YouTube channel could be taken. Let me apologize for even existing and I'll be dutiful and obedient. In front of you, YouTube. Yeah, he doubled down and he launched a new exclusive live stream news show five days a week on Rumble, which was him exercising his freedom of choice I would dare say strengthening a movement, in this case, Rumble, which stands for free speech, that helps empower people more. Yeah. So I, I liked his choice, his actions, and him doing the work to create a better way.
0: Yeah. I, I love that too. On, I always, as, so here's my social media folder, and I have three pockets of them. Yeah. And from Gitter to Parlor to Rumble um, to MeWe. I don't want to live in, a, in an echo chamber of my own ideas. Um, one of the many reasons I love being on Twitter is that, one, I'm censored there. I know it sounds weird that I like to be there, but I like to exercise you know, a version of my, amendment to my, my first amendment of free speech because I try to live within all of their community guidelines, which are their forms of censorship about speech. And also the way that their algor- algorithms work they're able to defame and um, bastardize and demonize any voice by putting the preponderance of responses to however they want yeah. you know they can take louder voices with other opinions to to counteract your opinion and it looks and it doesn't it looks like a conversation. It looks like discourse, but it's not. It's a Kevin. It's a cleverly manipulated conversation where they're inputting all of the influences and all of the responses that they want, and categorizing the ones that like are the best rebuttals to the top. Um, and uh, and I like existing there because it keeps my edge sharp.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I hate. I want you know like, and that's one of the reasons I've I've been so reticent to to participate because I don't want just to be with people that agree with me.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I think that's a, probably the single biggest problem that the alternative social media sites are facing. And, and I think it's getting better, but I think it's still a problem. I know Rumble, it's now traded on the NASDAQ stock market, they've got between, I think it's 40 to 60 million monthly users. So it's really growing beyond just this core echo chamber of conservative voices that can't say what they want to say on YouTube or Twitter. Yeah. There's certainly way more of them because they were the first to have the pain to motivate them to go to the new platform. But now, and here's my optimism in what I think is happening and where A platform like rumble for example is going is now other people are saying well there's a lot of people on rumble I want to build an audience I'm making videos so I'd like to put it on rumble to try to connect with those people and get them as followers so I think there's more and more people coming over simply because they rumble seems like it's reached a critical mass but it needs to get better we we need way more diversity of opinions
0: the Anderson Cooper's I want um the Obamas I, I I want Ellen I want like hard line belief propaganda machines yeah. that would then but none of them I think would step over into a place where the majority of that ecosystem won't support them of course not yeah because they don't have the courage in their, and they don't have the confidence in their ideas that their ideas can actually stand against logic, reason, reason and discourse.
1: Yeah, and, and I would re- imagine the corporation, that, the corporations that those folks work for, they wouldn't want to strengthen the alternative platforms that they can't control uh. by having their presence on there. Which, by the way, you mentioned propaganda. I love propaganda. <laughs> there is nothing funnier. I mean, I think it's a disease. I think it's deadly. It's it's like poison. But I love propaganda. When I'm not ingesting it, I get to see it. There's, Tim, there's nothing funnier <laughs> than propaganda. You know, if, if you're a human being with an IQ over 85 or so, you're not going to fall for the gaslighting because you're not dumb enough. You're going to see it. You're going to be amused by it. And Look at the hip- hypocrisies. They're doing this and saying this, and there's like a mile gap between the two. Uh. It is so entertaining. I... I it is Tim, really entertaining. If, if there's ever a day when we don't have propaganda in this country, I'm going to need you to teach me how, like, a new skill, how to like make samurai swords, so I have that's something off to for do. me right now. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned you cut yourself yeah. on it. Yeah. You want to hold this end? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the end. Um. There's a lot of it right now. There's a lot.
0: So Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels was Mm. the minister of propaganda for uh, the fascists in the rise of um, Hitler's kind of ability to control. And uh, he set a playbook and he copied his playbook off of Lenin Mm -hmm. off of Mao um, and Mussolini Stalin. You, you saw lots of these kind of, cross-pollination of ideas about how to most effectively control populace. And um, there's a horrific story about um, Stalin. He had a chicken. You've told
1: me this story. It is horrific. Go on. It is
0: is horrific. (laughs) And he takes this chicken and he starts tearing the feathers out of the back of this chicken as he's just ripping them. And this chicken is bleeding and all of his generals lined up. And he's explaining to his generals about how to control a population, and as he continues to just brutalize and torture this chicken, and it's like the if you've ever pulled a a feather out of a chicken, uh, hopefully it's dead yeah. because if you try to do it when it's alive, they will fight so bad to it's because it's literally torture, and he sets the chicken down this bald bloody stump of a chicken and the generals are just horrified. I mean, they are just to their core taken back, watching their leader just do this. Then Stalin takes a little bit of food and he drops a few grains on the ground. And this chicken that he just tortured comes up and eats a little bit of this food. Then he leads a little bit more, a little bit more. The chicken falls in and he kills the chicken. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that, easy and it was that easy for these horrific leaders to learn how to control societies and the only way that that doesn't work is when a society is strong enough to resist when that individual with the collective is able to stand up together whether it is marching across a bridge Arms connected, you know, or standing in front of a beautiful monument and, and talking about a dream—that I have a dream. All of those are beautiful examples of an, a strong individual connecting to a larger collective to then push a beautiful idea. Yeah. And those are that is that is the beauty
1: of the First Amendment. It, it, it is truth can't stand a chance without the First Amendment. And I think what, what you described, the beautiful scene of people connected arm in arm, standing for something, what they're standing for is truth. And there's a totalitarian principle that says, truth is the mortal enemy. That's why censorship, indoctrination, and propaganda are there. They're the tools
0: against truth.
1: They're the tools against truth. And you mentioned uh, the piece of garbage, Joseph Goebbels. Uh, he you know, of course, he's the one that organized, I think in nineteen thirty five, the the famous book burning, where they yeah. burned over twenty-five thousand books that had unapproved ideas. Ironically enough, there was another German, a nineteenth century poet, a guy named Henrik Heinz, who said wherever books are burned, human beings are destined to be burned too. God, he was right. Yeah, he was right. Yeah. Book burning, uh,
0: not cool. Yeah. Pretty much against the First Amendment. And uh but the forms of it now are less fiery. Yeah. But it's currently
1: happening. Delete the account, ban the page. Those are all forms of it. Yeah.
0: Um, even if it's an individual, because our current form of uh conveying ideas was then limited to black and white pages. It's paper with ink. Now, it's in the digital space. These ideas that are existing, um, it, burning a book is, I disagree with you, I'm deleting your account. Yes. I don't like what you're saying. I'm giving you a strike and censoring the way that you're able to
1: communicate. And it's happening right now. Using the same tool that Hitler's chief, or that Hitler's director of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, used.
0: Same tool. Yep. Same tool being utilized right now against a society that is complacent and entitled. Yeah. What do you think the? What do you think we can do to combat this? What, what What does the individual do to try and fight for their rights?
1: Well, you know, I'd like to share two quotes. I like to quote people that are smarter than me because it makes me sound smarter than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. There's <laughs> so, a lot of smart ones out there. You know, first Gandhi. He said, uh, "A person has a sacred duty." to disobey corrupt laws when the state becomes lawless and corrupt. I slightly butchered that quote, but that's basically what he said. Martin Luther King Jr. said, disobedience, I'm sorry, uh, uh, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. They they both had pretty similar thinking, and these men each created beautiful revolutions of human rights, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. So I think we can take some wisdom and realize totalitarian, garbage, evil humans, they often only have control over you to the degree that you surrender your control to them through compliance and obedience with what they want you to do. Now, when it comes to physical enslavement, which... Yeah, that's where communism goes. But that's not where we're at right now. So for me, one of the most important things to do is don't comply with inhumane censorship restriction. Don't live in that frame. What do I mean by that? Like you go on YouTube, like, cool, you're either going to play by their rules or you're going to be deleted. But the point is how we live beyond that frame is Don't limit our existence and contribution to just those areas. I think, you know, of course, there's some new alternatives in the social media space that uphold free speech, but we don't want to just live in those areas either. I I think what you and I are doing, having respectful conversations with humans where we're looking to learn, we're not looking to necessarily be right or wrong, or I want to reject you, one of the biggest things as i interrupt myself which pisses me off it is rude but when i see uh, i see this with freedom fighters and i notice it myself sometimes where we embody this totalitarian consciousness we start to accidentally do the cancerous consciousness of dividing against people that we disagree with so maybe someone has some lunatic idea like hey you know we should definitely do communism and you know you you sh- you're not paying your fair share in taxes and part of us is just kind of saying shut up that's a dumb idea we're infringing on their free speech we're trying to shut them down and and freedom is respecting other people's right to freedom, expressing our freedom to the degree that it doesn't infringe on other people's freedom. Once it does, that's not freedom we're expressing, Expressing that's totalitarianism yeah. that we are expressing on individuals. So I think freedom minded people, I hope I'm listening. One of the things we can do is make sure that we're always vibrating at the vibe of freedom and not falling into the trap of actually shutting, you know, tyrannically shutting other people down and wanting them to be shut down, wishing they were shut down when allowing them to speak freely is what we need most.
0: Yeah. How do you do that right now though? Cause I love listening to stupid people with bad ideas. That's why I love propaganda. Espouse their ideas. I'm like, Oh man, I like you talking. You, you just keep talking because the more you talk, the dumber you sound, the dumber you sound, the more people disagree with you. But now they're controlling what ideas are allowed to be shared. Yeah. So how, how can like a, a way to combat a bad idea is with a better idea. But if that better idea is not aligned with whatever that tech or government entity is allowing to to be an idea yeah. this better idea never sees the light of day Yeah, how, how do
1: we fight that well i i don't know that that uh, i don't know that that's a fight worth fighting because you you put it in the context of being online so you see someone sharing like a bad idea online and normally we would want to add like what we consider a better idea to the conversation nothing wrong with that but I will say in the history of the internet Tim <laughs> I don't know if a single person has ever had their mind changed in the comment section uh, so, but I saw yesterday
0: Elon Musk I've heard of him talked about Ukraine and how Zelensky and the Ukrainian government should go to the negotiating table with Russia and Zelensky responded and they actually had like a little online banter About um, This is, might be One of the very few instances There was no resolution So you're still 100% right um, But there was Like some name calling And there was definitely Not a better solution That <laughs> came <laughs> But we had like One of the richest If not the richest Dude on the planet That was arguing with The president Of a country That's currently Being invaded by Russia So like It was wild To watch this unfold yes. But it was also awesome I was also like If that happened In Russia You're dead yeah. If that happened in China, you're dead. If that happened in Iran, you're dead. If that happened in Venezuela, you're dead. If that happened in India, you're dead. It's, and that's right now. I mean, this is not 1945, 1943. This is 2022 yeah. in a bunch of gigantic big nations. You misstep, you misspeak and you're dead. Yeah.
1: It's, I don't want that here. Uh, me either. And, and as you mentioned, what can you do with understanding of like, let's not pretend we're going to change everybody's mind in a comment section, but it's an important place to have a conversation. But looking at that, when we are so restricted at what is allowed to be expressed, what I find helpful is to speak in, in, in analogies and metaphors. That's what I do a lot of with my comedy. And and I talk about things that are highly censorable, but I just talk about them without literally talking about them. So I recently, maybe six months ago, I made a video where I'm wearing a life jacket. video wasn't about life jackets. But all the viewers instantly understood what the video was about. It was a great video. It was about the thing that we can't talk about. So, so we're
0: self-censoring right now because we don't want this episode to be censored. So we're not going to talk about the thing that you were, the life jacket that you were wearing that hopefully would save your life, but actually provided no life-saving yeah.
1: ability. It, and I think it's great that we can point out we're self-censoring because that's what we're doing yeah. and it's kind of what's happening. I also find it helpful that's to- That's a great video. That, that was a good. really clever video.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: I find it helpful to also understand what are the hot buttons that get people deplatformed speaking alternative views to the narrative on the pandemic, election integrity, climate change is heating up. Uh, Now they're considering hate speech to be a lot, uh, even when we are talking about gender and transitions. So knowing what the hot buttons are so that you know what you're walking into as far as getting deplatformed or not, doesn't mean I condone it. It, it, it sounds Stupid to even like know what the hot buttons are, so you can self censor. But if you want to be on there as a way of connecting with people at some level, you just want to know yeah. what the hot buttons are. And which, by the way, hot buttons are getting hotter. Yeah, they, they are.
0: We're moving into a midterm. Do you, do you? So speaking of midterms, did you see? Wait, did we just hit one? The uh, you be really careful as you talking about midterms. I'm okay. going to hold this up. Okay, I continue to talk. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: by the way, you look really good today, Tim. Just, <laughs> Thank you. Thank have you, you been working out? A little bit. So what was it? Biden announced that he's partnering with TikTok yeah. to, uh, uh, for election integrity around the narratives where they're going to be working together to censor wrong narratives around the midterm elections. Wow. Now, I want to break this down for you real quick, Tim, because okay. you look like you need some understanding. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to have free democratic elections here in the United States. Amazing. And what they're saying is, what we need to do in order to maintain free democratic elections is enlist the help of a company that's run by communist China, which is the opposite of a democracy. So we need communist mentality, communist company and communist government to make sure we have no free speech which is also a part of democracy to make sure that we can have a democratic election in a democratic society this doesn't that doesn't up. make sense no yeah yeah I'm, I'm it, gonna, it's weird it doesn't yeah, add up no, it's
0: super confused about all this uh and then you can you know the a uh, hundred million, hundreds of millions of users that exist on there. The the influence that you have over them when you have a free democratic election is yeah. not free or democratic when you are influencing a group about how they're going to behave. Yeah. Like whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, whether either they're censoring a story that doesn't support one of the candidates, whether they're just you know, bringing some new TikTok influencer in, none of those are great yeah. forms of free speech.
1: And when we look throughout history, the tyrannical regimes, one of their first steps in their playbook is to always take control of the media. Silence the opposition, they know, hey, truth is our mortal enemy, which means we need to control the media. And you look at Stalin's censorship protocol, destroyed the presses of his political opponent, and he even determined who's allowed to be a writer. Yeah. So it's very dangerous when our information exchange is controlled by anyone other than us, Yeah. in my opinion.
0: You're not wrong there. The individual, we the people, need to... Get strong. Yeah. Get back to exercising literally and also figuratively our freedoms. Um, Man, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is going to be a a beautiful conversation and discourse about the subtlety and the fragility that is freedom. Like it is, it is a very fragile. It is a very um, delicate thing that needs to be exercised, that needs to be contested and that, I love the Do Not Comply. Yeah. Love that. Where do people find you? Well,
1: uh, right now I'm in the Sheepdog Response not Office. Literally, but like,
0: in, in the
1: stratospheres of the censor the worlds. Where do, where do people find best you? place to find me is awakenwithjp.com. And I will shamelessly plug, on October 25th, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, this year, 2022, I've got my comedy special being released, and the special is called please censor this. Dude. All right. Oh, I will we'll definitely put that up. We'll it, drop some links. Details in. all at
0: awakenwithjp.com. Okay. Uh, when it's released. Dude. Amazing. And on, on the social medias, it's Awake with JP.
1: Yeah. At awaken with JP on everything.
0: Cool. Dude, yeah. you're amazing. Continue to push the pocket, be the cracker that, uh, that serves the caviar that is freedom in the most sarcastic satire way that you do. It's pretty rad to, to watch from the outside proud to know you i'm proud to call a friend go out there and keep doing it man Love all right this is the about violence podcast stay safe and stay free uh, make sure that you subscribe follow jp do if, if you have some questions in the comment section ask them we'll hop back in there i'll talk about it i'll argue with you um, in a very respectful <laughs> way your mind. and i will change your mind in the comment section we'll prove jp wrong all right take care